Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Social Work Radio with me, your host Vince Peart. We are back in the uh, the Christmas dining room once again for those of us who are viewing online. Decorations still aren't down but hey ho, we're eking out the festive spirit from one more day. Once again, uh, as of last week, we are joined by our co-host Matt B. Matt, my friend, how are things going? Uh, going fine. Um probably not having as much fun as Tilly where she, she's a long yeah. holiday in um, but yeah it's really nice to be back again yes our our usual co-host Tilly Baden is uh, out in uh, in Egypt I saw some pictures just the other day when she was out on a desert horse gallivanting around the pyramids and here here are you and I in the north of England with our uh, tea and coffee she would just crack straight on my friend and let's not bring ourselves down any further <laughs> let's get through it yeah <laughs> right so this week's episode we're going to be talking about the harm and good that being a social worker does to your old family this comes from an article that um we published on mysocialworknews.com um a couple of weeks back now it was uh, the first week of january this one went out and it was a social work supervision piece that I responded to. And the headline was, In 10 years' time, the only people who will remember you worked late are your children. So every Friday, I uh, receive questions. Sometimes they'll come through emails. Sometimes it's Facebook messages, Instagram messages. Sometimes it's tweets and so on. Sometimes people I know in person will, will ask me to answer something for them. But generally speaking, every Friday, I will answer a question from someone that I haven't met in person. And the one two weeks ago was from a lady called Maggie. And she'd said, Dear Vince, 2023 has been a hard year for me in terms of my work and my life. It feels like I've had struggles in both areas that have impacted on the other, if that makes sense. The work-life balance has been more like a seesaw at times. I work late most of December and it felt like it ended up ruining Christmas a little bit for my sons. I've made the awful mistake of looking at my diary today and it looks like it will be more of the same. It's my first year after my ASYE, that's Assessed and Supported Year of Education. For those who aren't in England, that's basically the first year between graduating as a social worker and then becoming a fully qualified, fully fledged social worker. And I've already worked for the same local authority where I had my placement too. So I guess I just want to ask if this is normal and if it gets any better. I'm not going to go for my response in detail. You can head over and check that out at mysocialworknews.com. Just search the social work supervision section. You'll get all of those articles there if you want to read that. So Matt, this got me thinking, not only Maggie's question, but also my response. I was reading over that again in review and it got me thinking, you know, does social work make you a better or worse parent? Does social worker make you a better or worse friend? Does it make you a better or worse partner? So, um, I'm going to ask you straight off. How has being a social worker affected your own partner and your own children? Not what you think it's done, how it's affected you, but objectively, what is the impact of being a social worker, both good and bad, on your partner and on your children? How do they feel your decision? <clears throat> Well, I think my case might be a little unique because I spent quite a few years doing statutory social work and mm -hmm. I was with my partner at that time. <clears throat> and then I moved over into the voluntary sector to, yeah. to get a less pressured kind of work environment. And since Was that intentional? Yeah, very intentional. Driven by? Well, I just had done enough. I just ran out of road in the statutory sector and I didn't want to be a manager and I didn't know what else to do. And I thought I want to go and do... And I felt it very, really restrictive. It's very laid out for you. You do yes. this, this, yeah, and this, yeah, and that. Yeah. And yeah, I was just yeah. repeating that. So I wanted to do something a bit more creative. And we've talked about it before. I wanted to use my, you know, my own skills to deliver interventions rather than commissioning it somewhere else. So that's why I did it. 
Um, after doing that, it meant taking a big salary cut. Um, we then had children. So um, about a year into that, we, we, we had a child and then we had another one. And my partner said, you're not going back to statutory work. <laughs> like, Even though objectively it might be more job security and a higher wage, that isn't that doesn't factor yeah, into those conversations. No, not really. I mean, the higher wage is something that we found a way of managing that. Um, yeah. And I think when things have been tight at times, we've had those conversations about actually maybe maybe we do need to look at that. But she remembers what it was like when I was doing statutory work. And now as a parent with two young children, and also my partner has her own health issues, you know, so I, I need to uh, do a, a bulk of work at home in terms of, mm. of, of running the household. I don't think our household could function if I went back to statutory work. I couldn't do both. Could you function? No. No. I couldn't do both because the statutory social work is so urgent. There's needs that you can't predict that crop up and you just have to address them. I don't see how in my own life I could do that at the same time as having urgent needs in my household. You know, the way I work at the moment is that if there are urgent needs in my household, which there are at times, I can just sort those. And then I can come back and fill in what I need to at work. I can make that time back and be quite creative with that. But... Yeah, I couldn't do statutory social work now and do that. Um, Is that a, a sad and damning indictment of statutory social work that it will not accommodate people who have the responsibilities you do as a father and a partner? Um, I don't... I mean, I can't talk for every statutory social work position. I'd like you to try. <laughs> I'd like you to try. <laughs> so, Go on. Fire, fire out some knowledge and advice that we could apply to everyone. Yeah. I'll just sort of uh, yeah. shape the whole sector. Yeah, go for it. No, Shoot. I just... No, I mean, presumably there will be really supportive teams yeah. and team managers, you know, out there who will, you know, enable this. But also team... We've talked about this before. They're working within a system that mm. they don't control. Yes. And that says what has to happen and when. We spoke about this on uh, last week's show. Exactly. Of course, of course. Exactly. So even if you have a great manager like Tilly, you know, Tilly's a manager, I'd be conceivably I could go work for Tilly. She's very caring. She wouldn't employ me, I've tried. <laughs> She'd employ you. <laughs> she she, I, I've tried, she wouldn't employ me. <laughs> but she's very caring, kind, compassionate. She's yeah, exactly yeah. the she kind of manager it. who would definitely yeah, try yeah, and take yeah. good care of yeah. you. But even Tilly would be constrained by care up legislation mm. what needs to happen and when it needs to happen and if you've got an urgent situation occurring where there's a vulnerable person who needs yeah. care urgently that has to come first as a manager um and i would really be i wouldn't actually be able to do that because if i have an urgent issue at home that i need to attend to i need to be able to go and do that and i can't from my 10 years of working in those services i can't see how that's compatible for me um so yeah i couldn't do it I don't think I could do statutory social work. Maybe in a couple of years' time, my children are older and maybe my partner gets a bit better. I could, but not now. She just couldn't do it. And how, right, see, what would the impact be, though? So that's more of a general thing. If you if you were to, and obviously you don't want to go into too much personal detail mm -hmm. here, of course not, but how would your children and your partner feel it if you did go back into those jobs? It just wouldn't work. It would just be impossible. In my own personal life, I th think they would feel very alone and mm. not necessarily, I mean, abandoned is a big word, but it would be. I get what you're saying. It's, it would be, you know, the yeah. way that it works is that particularly if you have very, you know, I've got a, a two-year-old and, a, and a, a soon to be five-year-old. When they need something, they need something. They can't yeah. understand why you're not there and they can't understand where you are or what's going on. They don't get the concept of 
of work and, and, no, and what no, else no. is happening. So all they know is they need my they need a parent and the You're parent needs there. to be there. So yeah, it would I couldn't see how it would actually function. Like they would feel there'd be no way to explain it, I think. Yeah. Um, particularly since they're not used to it. They're used to, I mean, I do a lot of homework and they're used to daddy being in an office. And in the needs, house. In the house. Yeah. I mean, I say an office, it's a nursery. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a corner of it. But they know that... You're in their office. Yeah, exactly. It's essentially your hot desk and your desk, <laughs> hot, your desk sharing with a, a toddler and a child. Exactly. I move Peppa Pig because out of the way and do my work. Um, <laughs> be interesting when you've got team meetings then, I imagine. <laughs> well, I do training sessions. I have children entering my training sessions at times. You know, that's... Nice. It is. It's nice. the way that it is. I like um, it. I like it. And it's quite nice because the audience understands like this is yeah, the world we good. live in. Well, there'll be a lot of them will be in a similar position, won't they? Yeah. And yeah. I can... But that's the point. I can do that in a training session. There's no way I could go out of the house go yes. and do an assessment somewhere in a hospital and be available at home at the same time do you think some people make the mistake of trying to have it all and trying to juggle both and then both work and family life not being good enough because of that i'm not sure we'd say it's a personal mistake that you make and you kind of calculate that you know i think that's the world we live in today is that society's changed mm-hmm. um, and actually it's felt that you should be able to work and parent at the same time and I think there's benefits to that definitely it's a good thing but also there's costs as well and I think we're all learning our way through that about how do we do that um, and certainly from three years ago when everyone was able to homework yeah, we've got yeah, this new yeah. flexible working arrangements where you go well I'm kind of working from home and I'm doing work and then I'm doing some personal stuff and then I'm working and it's down to each employer and employee to work through that arrangement. Um, I think the key for me is in social work, that responsibility is so intense in terms of you have the welfare of people in your in your hands. Mm. And it's down to you to deliver the service. But you have the welfare of your children and partner in your hands as well, don't you, Matt? And there's the clash. And that is exactly the clash. So, And I think that's particularly difficult for, for, for social workers because... I don't know if it was, I think it was one of those articles that you, you, you plugged at the beginning there. Talked about it being a lonely profession, or I read, I'm sure it was in one of those. Unlike, say, nursing and teaching, where you're, you know, if you're a nurse, you come on to shift, you're part of a team, and the tasks are allocated at the, the flash at the beginning of the shift, and you can hand over really easily mm. to the next person. You write up the notes, you hand over, you move on. Social work doesn't work like that. We, we work very much in isolation a lot of the time. It's your caseload and you're having to uh, manage that very much by yourself. And I think that's the key difference which makes social work so difficult if you're also at the same time having to manage other responsibilities. And I'm talking responsibilities in my life as a parent, but other, otherwise you may have other responsibilities. You know, as someone I think that it, it, one of those features that we, we you know, that, that has been on the site is as someone who... The thing I remember from that is she got to the age of 37, she's paid off a mortgage. And I remember reading that going, really? Yes. <laughs> but, but the big point she was making is that she's missed out or she was worried about missing out on settling down. So she hasn't gone through that that dating and then settling down and then having a family. That's the process she feels she's missed out on because she spent all her time working. You know? So listeners, the, um, the article Matt's referring to is uh, one of the social work confessions piece. It's a year and a half old now, it's from August 21st, 2022. The headline is, I worry my commitment to other people's children has cost me a family of my own. And this is um, 
this is a social worker who's in her late 30s and said, you know, she's, she's very been very committed to social work. It's re- relatively worked out well for her. She's almost paid the mortgage off her house, but it's a house she ar- hardly ever sleeps in. You know, she says, my income has given me the opportunity to see the world. I've become a wiser and better person through my experience as a social worker, and I've made many friends along the way. However, as all the friends I've grown up with have settled down, gotten married and started families of their own, I'm single and still living the same lifestyle I was when I started out in this job 11 years ago. I've I've had two long-term boyfriends since I qualified as a social worker and both of those have gone on to marry too. At the time, I blamed the breakdown of each relationship as a failure on my respective boyfriend to commit to my lifestyle and accept my profession. In hindsight, I'm now starting to wonder whether it was I who failed to meet in the middle and give up the work hard, play hard lifestyle I'd grown so accustomed to. I, I thought what was really interesting that was, and it kind of resonated a bit, thinking back to my life before I had kids. It's very hard if you're a partner of a social worker to win any argument about kind of like working <laughs> late. Because you can always trump them as a social worker. You can always say, do you know what? Someone's life hand was in the balance and I had to work late to do this. That's putting a lot of pressure on the partner to be able to go, well, actually, I really wanted to spend a night with you watching television or doing whatever else you are correct that does put a lot of pressure with, with my ex-wife i i used to say this at times she didn't understand my job didn't understand me this is why she's my ex-wife i suppose but she didn't understand she didn't understand my job and when i used to say these things to her i and i, I hate myself that i used to do it to be honest i would say you've no idea how good you've got it and I would pull up examples of the people I would support. And obviously confidential. I wouldn't mm. give names or details. I would say things like, I've just been dealing with a child who's gone through this or a father that this has happened to or a mother. And I thought that was a terribly cruel thing for me to do. Because what I was doing is I was asking my ex-wife to set her expectations and her life within a remit and within a context that mercifully, I was I, I was happy that she didn't experience these things. I didn't want her to experience these things. I didn't want our children to experience these things. I, I still don't want her, want her or my children to experience those things. But I was pulling these things up to make her feel bad for not understanding my work. And I thought that was, I look back and that was, that was cruel. I should never have done that. I think that's what we do. Like, I think it's, because we, we do it to ourselves. We go, well, I can't look after myself or I'm not worth looking after because I'm actually having to sacrifice myself for... Physician, heal thyself. Well, yeah. So, but you're kind of going, okay, well, I can't do that because I, you know, in, in older people's services where I worked for a while, it was like, I've got an old person who's yeah. in hospital and their carer, they're, the person that they cared for is at home with no one to look after them. But how so, many times do you do that? How many times can you do that? Where's your capacity? When does that wear out? Well, that was the thing. And this is the thing where you would justify to yourself and go, well, of course I can't have an evening to relax because I've got to do this. And you kind of explain it to yourself that way, but then you explain it to your partner in the same way to yeah. say, well, of course I can't come for a date or go for a meal out because I've got, you know, I've got to save the world. You know, <laughs> you see this way. And that's that it. I, I laugh there, but that's what it is. Yeah. It's a savior complex. Exactly. And it can be toxic. And it also gives you a license to be really bad company because then you can be grumpy, you can be tired, you can be short-tempered, you can be fed up, and you can go, but it's okay for me to feel like this and behave like this because you don't understand. It's not your fault. You can blame someone else. You exactly. can blame the job. But and it is your fault, is it not? Yeah, you should, it's not a justification for this stuff. At the end of the day, you know, and that's why I wouldn't go back to statutory work at the moment because... Did it make you a worse person? 
I put down, when I was looking at the show notes for the start, I was thinking, I've put down, it made me a worse partner, but a better parent. I social workouts. Social workouts, yeah. Let's talk about that then. Let's start with parent then. Has social work made you a better or worse parent and why? Well, like, like I just said, I think it's made me a better parent in part because I'm not in statutory services now. All right, tell, tell me what <clears throat> social work has given you that's improved your fathering. I've learned a lot from the casework I've done. So particularly now I work in addiction service and I did a lot of work in mental health services yeah. as well. A lot of that is trying to unpick problems in people's lives and understand what's happened here. How is someone struggled in this way and what's happened to this person and predominantly you were going back to their childhoods and going you know you really started to learn and understand the events in someone's childhood really shape their life Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, and a lot of that comes down to their parenting and who's parented them or who's fulfilled the role of a parental figure should i say so it's really taught me a lot with it's almost made me paranoid really (laughs) my own children (laughs) to go oh hang on what lifelong consequences come from this but yeah it puts the pressure on but it's that big lesson that kind of understanding of to be present in the lives of your children to be consistent with them as well and to be engaged with them to show that kind of interest and it's really even even small stuff so we've just had christmas holidays things like that i have to catch myself to make sure i'm not on my phone when i've got my kids with me that's good that's good that you catch yourself but that comes back to my social work stuff you know it's that thing of this isn't me being present with them being present with them isn't being in the same room as them it's actually playing with them yeah yeah it's actually it's active it's active presence not just physical and that's why I'm shattered from the Christmas break because it is a lot of playing but it's also you know it's not about just putting them in front of a television and you're on your phone looking at whatever you're looking at it's engaging with them in some way and doing that and it is time it is exhausting but I probably wouldn't parent like that Exactly like that, if I hadn't had the experience I had as a social worker. What's interesting is that you pick up those skills from the adult's perspective. Mm. You don't pick, what's very interesting, you don't pick up that from you working directly with children and families as I do. You pick up that because you see the damage that that parenting has caused to adults. So you you see the effect of that parenting years on. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it's... Decades, decades. Later, yeah, 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 yeah. You trace it back, and it is so, so challenging yeah. to sort of work with it at that point because it's so entrenched in their life and yeah, their yeah, identity yeah, yeah. and who they are. Yeah. Um, that it's quite humbling, really, to think about. Does it ever put too much pressure on? On do you know, like does, on you to be the perfect parent? Do you ever risk beating yourself up about things that any parent could? make a mistake in I think caring parents do beat themselves up a bit about these things but I think there's also that realisation there's no such thing as a perfect parent you know but you know that you can say that but do you know it do you give yourself that leeway yeah you you have to because otherwise you'll go mad (laughs) and then what kind of parent would you be you'd be do do you tell yourself if this when you're four hours deep into a Peppa Pig marathon is this when you've given this mantra to yourself? There's no such thing as a perfect parent. There's no such thing as a, as you jumping up and down in muddy puddles. Yeah, that's the, in well, your mind. That's yeah. That's when you need to break from Peppa Pig. But I think it is. I think I I wouldn't be the same parent if I'd gone. I I worked in civil engineering uh, years ago before I came. Building worker. bridges. Building bridges exactly. If I'd been doing that, I don't think I'd have that appreciation at all about how significant it is and the impact parenting. How has. would you? You wouldn't, you just, most parents wouldn't, mercifully almost, wouldn't have that because you're not going to go on a parenting course. You're not going to see, you can go through life with a very, very limited view of life. Thankfully so. That's kind of what I want my children to go through life. I want them to be protected. But 
sometimes you have to put yourself in the fire to make yourself tougher and better, do you not? And we get that vicariously yeah. in social work. Yeah. So, but that's my, that, I mean, that's my perspective as, as, a, as a parent. I mean, what about you? You've, you've done a very different strand of social work to me. Yes. Um, I, I am an immeasurably better parent for being a social worker because coming from my aspect of social work and child protection, not only do I, look, I see parents. Uh, so I, I don't learn from the damage done. I don't learn from the mistakes of avoiding what could happen. I see active parenting modelled on a daily basis. I see parents triumphing in the face of adversity. Parents that have had the most horrific things happen to them, whether that be childhood trauma, childhood abuse, drug addiction, mental health issues, being the victim of domestic abuse, turning up in this country with nothing whatsoever. Um, And I see parents triumphing and doing better parenting than I am in the most difficult and abject circumstances. And I learned so much about the strength and resilience and fortitude of human character from what I witness. I also really, really learn a lot from professionals. You know, I've got friends who are midwives, health visitors, solicitors, teachers, nursery workers. So thanks to my job, I pick up a lot of it just secondary, but sometimes I'll ask direct questions. Mm-hmm. I don't always make it about my kids. I'm like, I'm just wondering. <laughs> so I'm not always, sometimes I will. If I know people well enough, I'll say, oh, look, I just want to ask you this about my children. If you're on the other end of that and you're not in that professional circle, it's very, very hard to get a meeting with just a teacher to ask a, six, a single question yeah. or to speak to a, a consultant paediatrician, which I can speak to them quite regularly. It's certainly, it would cost me £300 to get an hour with a solicitor. Luckily, I've got plenty of friends I can just ask them at the end of a phone call. So it, it has made me, a, I, I am a far better parent through the inspiration of the parents that I work with and I see on a daily basis and also from the professional expertise that is shared by my multi-agency colleagues and social workers as well it makes me a lot better not only does it make me a lot better it makes me want to be a lot better because when I see the stories of the clients I support and I think well if they can do this why can't I so in terms of the objective lessons I've learned and the knowledge gained yes the where I worry that it may have made me a worse parent is the commitment to my job. Very long hours at times. Sometimes having to say to my children, "Look, you're going to have to sit on your iPads for an hour while I write up a report." Not what I want to be doing. I've, I've cringed and I feel guilty saying that, but that I've, that's just the reality of what I have to do. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, grandparents have to have the kids for a couple of hours that night because I'm going to be at work. But when I combine the benefits with the drawback, I certainly think it's a net gain. The, the benefit of being a social worker. And then we talk about the other things, you know, social work, was, social work has given me a stable career. It's allowed me to get a mortgage, pay my bills, put a roof over the head. Um, on last week's show, we were talking about, you know, the 20% vacancy rate. Mm. Well, the benefit of a 20% vacancy rate is you'll always be able to find a job. Your jobs are very settled and consistent. You know, thankfully, touch wood, um, you know, I've never not got... Well, actually, there was one social work job. The very first social work job I went for, I didn't get. 
11 and a half years ago, I went for yeah. an interview in Sunderland Local Authority. I'm calling you out, Sunderland. <laughs> you did not employ me. They gave you me did not employ <laughs> Sunderland me. gave me a job. Oh, <laughs> there we go. Well, to be fair, you probably made the right call. Yeah. But I did go back and work. I can say this because I did go back and work for Sunderland for three years in yeah. total elsewhere. But yeah, my very first job interview was for Sunderland. I didn't get the job. I think that might have been my first. Oh, interview. couldn't you make it, it worse? Isn't it really weird? Yeah. Stop making it worse. Yeah, Stop making sorry, it worse. Anyway. I didn't get the job you did. Yeah, we're different um, jobs that are as in adults. Um, you made me feel a bit better there. I'll yeah. hold on to that. My ego will hold on to that. Well, if it had been adults, I wouldn't have gotten adults. I had no experience whatsoever. Um, but yes, it, it, it's given me a lot more than it's taken away. Now, let's talk about partner. Let's talk about your partner. So you say it has made you a worse partner then. Why is that? Well, to... to Go back to some of the other stuff we were talking about. I guess the sort of feeling of entitlement that what I do is so important that mm-hmm. everything else is secondary to this. Even your relationship. Yeah. Because because you put yourself second. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, if you yeah. put yourself second to your job, which many social workers feel like they must do, and at times, really, you must do to be able to deliver the job, mm. your relationship's part of that. And... I think it's hard, you know, we talked about being present in the lives of your children and having to be there, but it's also about being present in life of your partner. And that's not just actually being there with them, but when you're with them, yeah, yeah, really being in the room. Them, yeah, yeah. Instead yeah. of having yeah. your head swimming around about work and things like that. So, um, yeah, my, my partner's had to, you know, miss out on things because I'm not available. When I was doing statutory work, you know, um, I'd be working late. I just, I, I used to do, um, uh, the AMP work, so approved mental health practitioner. That's out of hours a lot, isn't it? Yeah, so I remember one of those call came in at four o'clock in the afternoon. I didn't get back till three in the morning. So that completely wiped out that evening, but also wiped out the next day. Yeah. Um, and she'd be worried about you. Well, yeah, well, she just had to... I don't know. I just, I don't. It's worrying. If you're, if you're sat at home and your partner's out doing that, you don't know when they're going to be back. And you know, let's get this straight. Amp work, you know, it can be pretty risky at times. Yeah, I think I think she'd got used to it by that point, so she just went to sleep. <laughs> if he's back, he's back when he's back. Um, She's handling it stoically then. Yeah, but the point is, at the end of the day, that has a knock-on effect. Of course. You know, what we have planned changes and the next day changes as well because, you you know, yeah, you're yeah, out yeah. of... And it's, it's, there's an element of chaos there as well. You can't plan because that phone could go at any time. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you knew when you are on duty. So you knew it might be on those particular days. Um, but also there was... I mean, her point of view as well was she didn't like me working in that sector at, the, at that time. That was forensic work. Um, so this was sort of working with people who maybe committed murders and things like this. So it actually, to be honest with you, was probably a lot safer than... I, I would say it's probably a lot safer than a lot of the social work that happens. You know the risks. You know the risks. You're aware of the risks. And you know what you're dealing with. Yeah, and yeah. it's got the word forensic on it, so we're really careful around it, and it's very yeah, tightly yeah, regulated. Yeah. So I actually think it's safer. Yeah, but it has, uh, I would agree. Yeah, but um, that was a worry for her. So, you know, when we talk now sometimes about, do I go back to this? She remembers... She doesn't want me to go back to that. Yeah. Um, so there is that worry. But certainly, I think, as I was saying, it gives you a license to maybe be less of a nice... You can't be as nice as a person. If you're tired, you're stressed, you're overworked, you're worried about managing your commitments. Maybe you feel lots of guilt because you haven't actually managed to do everything you want to get done. And you worry about the people who are... You know, social workers carry this with them, this feeling of I'm letting people down because I'm not actually able to deliver everything I want to. And it isn't actually their fault. But you, you internalise it and you live with that and that inevitably comes out in your life elsewhere. So you are more tired, you are more, are more yeah. irritable. Um, 
I've taught before, not that I'm going to say that I, I never would say I've had a drink problem before, but I used to drink after work to cope with the stress of working, you know, years ago, that would have a knock-on effect, yeah. you know? So I can't think in any way how it would make me a better partner, if I'm honest. Have you ever been accused of social working your partner in an argument? Or have you ever been accused of using social work techniques on it? Well, I can't win any argument with my partner. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, so actually, actually, she's so good at arguing. I take that and take it into my work. And so you learn from her. I learn from oh, her. Wow, excellent. So she wants me to social work assess people, though. So, so when we when we meet people, she goes, "Right, what do you make to that person?" Then, so give me the because obviously I did mental health stuff. So. Wow, so you're doing on the spot diagnosis, street social work. She wants nice. she wants the inside take about, and you go, "Well, that's not really how assessment works." Um, do you think you just read the mind? Yeah, like okay. Darren yeah. Brown. Yeah, you've got this mixed up with clairvoyancy. It's, ah. <laughs> it's not that. <laughs> to be fair, we are we often expected to predict the future in social work. So yeah, so, many people have. But um, yeah, I, I don't think. Yeah, no, I couldn't do. I mean, I I yeah, I don't bring that into. I wouldn't. I mean, you can't help. One of the things, not social work assessment skills, but one of the things that has come into my personal life that irritates the life out of her and still does to this day, is time management. Since becoming... I've learned... <laughs> you time manage your personal life. You nice. can't help yourself, because nice. in your professional life, you have to go, how do I get yeah, 15 yeah, hours yeah. work into eight You're hours correct. today? You've got a time box. So you time box, you time yeah, manage, you yeah, do yeah. this, you rationalise. How does she handle being agendered? She hates it. <laughs> I, and, and I can't help myself. Like, i give you an example. This is quite embarrassing, but I will tell you. So... And this is going to make me look terrible, but she's like, for instance, come home and she's going to be making tea or something. And if she's going to make something with pasta, this is going to get into details here anyway, but I like it. Like time management wise, you go cook the pasta while you make the sauce and then you're halving the time. Yeah, it's on the hob, it's cooking away. It's not how she cooks. So she'll cook the main thing and then go and do the pasta. You lose 10 minutes doing that. Now to... She's if, not if, I, yeah, if I wasn't yeah, yeah. a social worker, that wouldn't matter. But in a social work head, you're like, 10 minutes? What could you do in those 10 minutes? This is the reason why social workers type up case notes while in Teams meetings. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. That's the workers. pasta. Exactly. Next time I'm doing that, I'm going to be thinking, yeah, well, this is, I'm cooking the pasta while the ragu's on the go. Yeah. That's what I I'm mean, doing. it just it drives her mad and it drives me mad. And either it drives her mad because she doesn't do it and drives her mad because you want her to do it. Well, I have to learn not to say stuff, like, because it's just like, why would you want your partner to be pointing out cooking techniques to you? Like, you know, you're, not, you're not helping her, you're trying to help. Irritate. She's good enough to be cooking tea. She doesn't need me walking and going, oh, I don't think you're doing it quite right. You could save 10 minutes <laughs> if you do it like this. Like, she doesn't need that. And to be honest... You're right. You, when you put it that way, she doesn't need that. You know, and the thing is, if I'm not working too hard, I'll know not to say that. But if I'm working too hard... Yes. I will come out with this and go, oh, have you thought about doing it that way? And you these, don't have the capacity. This, this yeah. goes under the list of things not to say to your partner who's probably also been doing 10 other things at the same time, yeah. including childcare. Yeah. And this, and that's that's what I bring into my personal life that I don't need that. And she certainly doesn't need it. So, so better parent, yes... Worst partner. But at the expense of potentially not being as good a partner. Yeah, I would be a much better partner if I just was very rich and didn't have to work and could lounge, you know, had leisure time. Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather have a man like that as well. <laughs> Tell me about it. Yeah. How about, um, how about your take on that? Well, 
my ex-wife and my current girlfriend might have very different views on that. That's, uh-huh. that's, all, that's, what all, that's <laughs> all I might say on that one. I might just leave it there. Um, on a serious note, it, being a social worker has helped me live more in the moment. I'm far more present with people. I think I'm a better person. It's well, I don't think I know I'm a better person being a social worker, not only for what I see at work, not only for the, the you know the many friends such as you that I've made throughout this journey in my career, but also for the personal development that's given me. You know, I'll read things and I'll, I'll get advice and I'll get tips. So it's made me a better person. It's, I think it's made me a more authentic person. It's made me more decent, more human, more humane, more empathetic, more understanding. I also think it can make me sanctimonious at times. And I think that can be a risk. I can almost be of the mindset, well, life out there is so bad, why aren't you enjoying what we're having right now? Mm-hmm. And I think if somebody doesn't have the same experience and same context and same understanding as you, that can risk downplaying their problems. Yeah. Because in life, we all live on a, we all live on a spectrum in terms of let's think there's the extremes of our life. So that's the very worst thing that's happened to us. And that's the very best thing that's happened to us. Now, if we have had a life that we've lived quite narrowly a lot of the time, nothing too good's happened, nothing too bad's too happened. If something that to somebody who's had wider extremes, if something minorly good happens, well, you might not have had anything good happen before in your life. So that's a very, very good thing. Equally, if you haven't had much trauma in your life, a minor petty grievance of falling out at work, somebody scratching your car, getting a parking ticket, that can seem massive because you don't have the context. Now, as those extremes get bigger and bigger, if you've had the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows, the general humdrum up and down of day-to-day life isn't going to move you too much. You know, I'm not going to say you won't be too happy or you won't be too sad, but you've got the context of extremes. You've been steeled against those things. So what social work's given me is the context of some of those worse extremes without necessarily having the damage of experience to myself. So look, I've gone through some difficulties in my life, my childhood, my recent life, everybody has. But the vicarious bad experiences I've got have kind of pushed those extremes. So even if I go through difficulties, I can be stoic and I can ground myself and say, well, actually, I've been dealing with somebody at work that doesn't have a house. Mm. so okay our gut run needs doing but I've been dealing with families that don't have a house okay yeah I need to spend a thousand pound on my car's MOT but I've been dealing with a family who can't get to work and are going to lose their house and are going to lose their livelihood because the dad's lost his license because of drink driving it can give you that context now it benefits me but if you're in a relationship with somebody who doesn't have those same extremes, it can risk you becoming sanctimonious and it can risk you alienating yourself from that person because your boundaries of life and your expectations are very different to theirs. Yeah, no, I understand. I think one of the interesting things that I've noticed is the, the worldview you develop through social yeah. work and the contact that you have with people who are going through difficult times is you do come to appreciate that. Yeah. And... I feel like you come to accept people much more for who they are and what they're living with. Bingo. And I think that can be really tricky at times because if someone hasn't had that experience, like I, I've changed a lot in 15 years of social work from that, from being, I hope, a lot less judgmental and a lot more understanding that everyone's on their own journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that can be tricky at times if, you know, my partner has nothing to do with social work. It's not her background. It's not what she works in. Um, so we can get into some really interesting conversations sometimes and quite heated yeah. over even just news stories and things like that. We can have very different takes on it. Um, and we can get into lots of conflict around really like, 
I'll always take because I've worked in forensics, I've worked uh, work in addiction now, so I'm I'm used to working with people who are involved in criminal justice, and I generally take the stance of actually, you, know what, you really need to understand that person's life to understand why they're doing what they're doing. It's not as black and white as it may be seen. Exactly, but if you haven't had that, we have this. People do approach no. it in quite a black and white way. If this is a bad person doing bad things, yeah. um, whereas thing- our view is more good people do bad things. Yes, and but at the same time, though, I thought you know, if I was with, if my partner was a social worker, we might drive each other absolutely crazy because, you know, that that different yes. world, that different worldview is also quite not quite useful at times as well. For instance, I've probably enjoyed a lot of nice things in my life because she understands the importance of those things. Definitely, you know, and and I've benefited from that, and she almost gives that license. And if we want to do something nice and indulgent. She'll be the one that says, oh, let's do that because we deserve this to do this nice thing. That's a nice thing to do for us. For us and nobody else. That's that almost yeah. that, that positively selfish view. There doesn't have to be a, an altruistic benefit to this. It's okay just to be happy ourselves. Yeah, and she appreciates that, understands that, and so we benefit from that. So, it's, okay. you know, there's a, there's a strength to it as well. We shall end on that note, listeners. It is fine to do something if it is only for your benefit. Do not be looking for the altruistic worth in everything you do. An excellent message to end on. Um, as always, listeners, if you want to head over any of the stories we've discussed today, head over to mysocialworknews.com. If you just, there's a search bar on the top left of your page. If you just want to search some of the headlines that we've discussed, you'll be able to find those. You can also find us on social media. I'm sure most of you follow us there anyway. But if you don't, head over to LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, search Social Work News. We'll be back next week after two weeks off. Matt is uh, off on his break and Tilly Baden will be back to tell us all about her exciting journeys in the desert. Until next time, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me.